We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 65. Phil Hughes, number 65, Scott. Are you still pissed at Phil Hughes like most Yankee fans? So I'm not really mad at Phil Hughes. He's a home run ball. He's a home run pitcher, and he just did not belong in Yankee Stadium. He, yeah, he, it did not end well for him and the Yankees, much like it did not end well with Jabba. I, I did kind of feel bad for the way it ended, though. I, I think that a lot of Yankee fans really got on his case, and he didn't take it well. He, I, I know he blocked a bunch of uh, our guys from the website and a bunch of Yankee fans in general on Twitter. But he kind of seems to be coming around a little bit, showing his personality. I know he got engaged, so maybe his fiance has mellowed him out a little bit. You know, he's just a guy that everybody had such huge high hopes for because the Yankees built him up to be... To basically the next Roger Clemens. I mean, we all expected him to be the number one guy. We had this was when a, a Yankee organization was completely decimated, and we had zero you know prospects to really look forward to. And Phil Hughes was like the guy coming up that we could look forward to. And when he didn't pan out the way everybody thought he was, and then the whole Jabba mess, it was like that whole little era, that small four you know, like what four year window of of pitchers with the killer bees and Hughes and Jabba. They just never worked out with any of them. It was just a disaster. It's crazy to think about how long ago Phil Hughes came up. 2007, I mean, you remember that no-hitter he had going in Texas and then he had the pulled hamstring? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that he actually had some success in the bullpen when when he first came up. I think he, that when he had that eighth inning role for a little while, he he actually excelled and did he helped well. him out in 09 in the playoffs yeah. out of the bullpen. So yep, and you uh, saw the velocity way up too when he was pitching out of the bullpen, which was really interesting. Yeah, he just couldn't maintain the you know throughout. He had he, that. He, it's just a terrible stadium for him to play in too. The, the oh, way he totally. is, his style. He had that 18-win season, which I think was bloated a little bit. Uh, he had terrible second-half stats that year. I believe it was the year after they won the championship, if I remember correctly. But episode 65, we are a week away from spring training. So a little programming note. We're gonna a week be... away from the, from the opening day, baby. Did, what did I say? You said spring training. Oh, boy. You're I'm confused. all messed up. Uh, we are a week away from opening day, one week to go in spring training. So there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Little programming note, as I was saying, we're moving the episodes back to Mondays. So uh, we've been doing Tuesdays in the offseason. We did it, I think, originally because we wanted to talk a little bit more NFL and we would have a little bit more time to digest all that stuff. But we are going back to Mondays. So if you're subscribed in iTunes, you don't really have to do anything. You'll still get it. But if you if you find it on SoundCloud or the website or anything, just be advised that we will be releasing them on Monday. And a couple more programming notes before we get to some Yankees stuff. Scott, we released our uh, fantasy kit. Justin McAlrath really did a great job on that. And I think we've got a FanDuel promo that we want to talk about. Yeah, so this year we decided that we wanted to add just more content to Bronx Pinstripes. We're all, a lot of us are big fantasy baseball players. And, you know, we, we've... I think one of the big things on Bronx Pinstripes is that you've seen, you've probably seen some of the promos that, you know, we're kind of, we want to cover uh, just some more stuff. I mean, stuff for Yankee fans uh, by Yankee fans. That's pretty much the big thing. And the the fantasy baseball coverage is starting now. Justin has put together uh, all the content for this awesome fantasy draft kit. So check it out. It's a free download. Uh, We put it together. It looks really cool. And along with that, we're also we teamed up with FanDuel to they actually gave us a, a free $500 uh, free roll in a contest for opening day, which is awesome. Uh, it's for new and existing. You have to do uh, I think it's a ten a ten dollar initial uh, deposit, and then you get into the the $500 uh, game for free. So definitely check that out. the The promo code for FanDuel is BP Baseball, and we're gonna tweet out the link so you can get directly to that one. Um, but I know there's going to be a bunch of us joining that and, and yeah, it should be, we're, we're doing this fantasy. This is new for us, but Justin's been, uh, Justin and I and a bunch of other guys actually been doing a lot of fantasy sports, fantasy baseball. And, uh, so we're going to, we're going to do the coverage all year and Justin's going to be the the lead guy for that. So definitely, uh, give him a, give him a shout and, and check out the articles as they come in. So. I'm um, excited for that new addition to Bronx Pinstripes. Yeah, that's awesome. That's going to that's gonna be really fun. We'll put the link on, as you said, Twitter, Facebook, and also put it in the blog um, on the website so you can get it there. Or just uh, hit, a, hit, hit one of us up on Twitter if you can't find it. But I, I am not a season-long fantasy baseball player, but I think I might start dabbling in the daily fantasy baseball. This, this is a good way to get my feet wet, I think. Well, definitely, because I think a lot of people have don't have the patience for fantasy baseball all year long. Because it's 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 really a commitment. I mean, it you is. gotta you gotta take a look at these things on a on a very regular basis. It's way more than football. But um, the daily stuff for baseball definitely makes it more tolerable and makes it more, I think, exciting. Just because you you're literally in a in a game for a day and you got to pick your roster for the day. So, um, yeah. But Justin's going to be covering a lot of that, and we're, he's definitely going to be on the podcast more often too, talking some uh, some fantasy baseball. We'll have a you know a little segment for him as well. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about that. It's just a, another thing for us to talk about baseball related. And again, that promo code was BP Baseball. So if you missed it, we, I think you and I talked about it last week about the video we did down at spring training, but that came out this week and I, and it was posted again on Monday. So hopefully you guys saw that and enjoyed it. Scott, excellent job with the editing. Uh, I thought it came out really well. It was a great second installment of a Bronx Pinstripe video. The first one was from Old Timers Day last year. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. I was I was the the camera guy in the first one at Old Timers Day with um uh with the guys out there. So that was a lot of fun to 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 do that. And then this one obviously uh Andrew and I kind of reversed reversed uh jobs occasionally where he was in front of the mic, in front of the camera on the mic and I and then I was running the camera and vice versa. I I now know how to edit videos. <laughs> I didn't know how to edit videos before this, so I did a lot of like staring at the at the screen and like hoping it would just come to me and then I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and but I think it came out pretty good. It came out came out all right. The quality on it is fantastic and we just use my iPhone. It's an insane iPhone. how good it, the yeah that is are. that's pretty unbelievable. You would have thought we shot that with like a full HD camera or something. Yeah the the new iPhones have phenomenal picture quality. I was extremely impressed with that. And the difference between my old five which I just stubborn and haven't upgraded yet and your six what is it the big one the six s i don't know whatever it is six s yeah i don't have the plus because that thing physically wouldn't fit in my pocket but it's i mean the the picture quality is like ridiculously different so there's a little plug for your iphones (laughs) we're we're not getting paid by them though (laughs) no no uh all right last bit of programming the the baseball movie march madness bracket is over we have finally crowned a champion it was the sandlot the Sandlot wiped the floor with every matchup it had. I think the closest matchup it was was against Field of Dreams in the final, and that was still like a 64% win for them. So the Sandlot just absolutely steamrolling the competition. No surprises that it made it to the finals, but the fact that it just totally blew out everybody, I know it's a good movie, but people love the Sandlot. But don't you think there was also a generational thing too? I mean, I, I think a lot Definitely. of this had to do with the generation of who was voting. Yes, we're a- we're talking eighteen to twenty five year olds on Twitter, or people who are nostalgic like me, who was like growing up when we were eight years old watching that. Right, and you know, The Sandlot was is a great movie, and I I absolutely love that movie. To me, I mean, obviously, I know that you have to pick one of them, but they're very different baseball movies. Totally. And Field of Dreams is definitely one of my favorites. And The Sandlot is one of my favorites because of just the way it just, I don't know, it gives you that, you say nostalgia as you grew up with it, but it makes you feel like your kid again because that's what you used to do. I mean, we used to play wiffle ball all like every day um, in my backyard and it was very similar to that. But Field of Dreams is like that feel good baseball movie. And the fact that people were not calling it a baseball movie is ridiculous. That is outrageous. But um I mean, very. I think very appropriate that the two of them were in the finals. Very different movies, but both great movies. I apologize for misspelling the word dreams. I, I feel <laughs> like it. I feel like an umpire yeah, that blew a call or something. This is like the that. Sandlot with an asterisk on their championship. <laughs> we might have to do it next year because Field of Dreams is going to protest the, the vote. I, I misspelled it in the poll. People Field still know what the movie was, but but it is a little bit of a tainted victory for the Sandlot. 
Yeah, I kept thinking of like the Princess Bride where the, he was like, marriage and just <laughs> completely fields of dreams. I was out Thursday night and I had to tweet it quickly from my phone and it was just, it was a whole big mess on Thursday. So I apologize to all the people who possibly voted for The Sandlot because they didn't know what the movie Field of Deems was. <laughs> if you're one of those people... Um, let me know, and I'll personally apologize. But if you couldn't make the connection between deems and dreams, then I question you. There was someone who tweeted, I thought it was pretty funny, about, like, Pevin... Pevin Ta- Tosner Ta- or something. Pevin yeah. Tosner. Ta- yeah, he changed up the, the words. Yeah. It's pretty good. Good stuff. Um, and congrats to the Sandlot. Uh, we'll have to do another bracket next year, another baseball-related bracket. I'll have to think of something. All right, so a lot of Yankee stuff over the over this past week, and things are really heating up as we get closer to opening day. The first was the fact that A-Rod announced his quote-unquote retirement, a two-year farewell tour for A-Rod potentially in the works, said to Andrew Marchand of ESPN that after his contract ends after the 2017 season, he's going to hang it up. But then the next day, the New York Daily News comes out with reports that A-Rod's not quite positive, that he's going to retire after that time. And he sort of backtracked a little bit. And he was just sort of saying, I'm thinking in terms of my contract, and I'm going to evaluate if I want to keep playing after that, which I I didn't even think need to be said. I think that was pretty obvious. But it is kind of likely that A-Rod does retire at the end of 2017. And I just think it's hilarious A-Rod fashion to say this not one but two years before the actual time comes see to me it's a guy that's trying to get a headline also and and making this more of what it was i have a feeling it was a in conversation and that the words were just taken a little bit differently than they were meant martian trying to get a headline yeah absolutely i mean this is a huge there's nothing going on nothing of national interest and then all of a sudden he says these things out of his mouth that could be maybe tweaked a little bit and and you have a a, a you know a definitive uh, retirement announcement so i mean look the guy's 40 plus years old we know he's going to be done after his contract no kidding unless someone gives him another another contract and he decides to play another year for whatever money i mean it's pretty obvious this is this is not like this isn't breaking news so yeah, I just, I, I, I don't put that, this one on A-Rod though. No, and you're right. That is a good way of looking at it that they were just, the March end was looking for headlines. But if A-Rod did truly say he's going to retire after 2017, that's just kind of going back to mid-2000s A-Rod trying to be the center of attention and, and saying the wrong thing. I wrote that transformation of A-Rod blog saying I'm, I'm actually an A-Rod fan now because he's finally stopped putting his foot in his mouth and just being a genuine person. Uh, this would kind of go back on that. But. Well, no, because I think this is him just being a genuine, per- genuine person talking about retirement after this Yankee contract and it just making sense. So I think he was right. probably more he of a casual conversation yes. and this then, guy just took it. I was like, oh, I heard the word retirement versus saying hang him up. like it, I'm hanging it up after 2017. Look at me. Farewell tour. Exactly. Double, yeah, it, double it wasn't that. Tour. It wasn't no. A-Rod being A-Rod. It was Alex Rodriguez talking and someone like, oh, A-Rod just said something I can run with. But what about the fact that Jeter was down in Cuba making headlines, being the center of attention, face of baseball, you know, really transcending Here comes the cultures. Theory. And A-Rod saying, oh, I got to grab me some of those look headlines. Look at me, look at me. I can't have Jeter stealing all the attention. I mean, Jeter was bigger than Obama down there. 
Yeah, it's uh no, I I just don't I don't think it's that. I think it's a coincidence on the timing, and I uh, I don't think Arod was out there doing this trying to get more attention. I really don't think Arod wants the attention at this point. In all yeah. honesty, he's just trying to kind of go out the right way. I feel like just trying to live life and date his new chick. Date his new chick, yeah. And Woj Chicky, good good job. <laughs> you try and pronounce it. And Woj, and Wo Woj Chicky. Is that how it is? Well, I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. Well, his new billionaire girlfriend, who is the ex-wife of like the Google CEO slash medical research company president. Come on, man. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, this, I mean why is I, I can't believe nobody's talked about this and I haven't seen any articles written or anything. I figured someone would run with this one. But she runs a medical research company that has to do with like biogenetics. Really, dude? <laughs> Come on, man. I smell like, something fishy. I mean, it's just weird. Why would you, why would you possibly go there? I, you know, I'm not saying, but I'm not saying either. I'm not saying, but geez, let's let's uh, let's try to avoid those situations. Hey, if he's trying to clear some tests, there's no better person to go to than Ann Woj. <laughs> the Woj, the Woj has something up her sleeves. It's possible. There's got to be an explanation for this, because. There's, there's not very many other explanations. A-Rod's, he's in his 40s now. He, he's realized that, you know, he doesn't need to be chasing this young tail. He just needs to find somebody who matches with him personally and can provide a nice, uh, comfortable life as he enters his, his uh, retirement years. Well, as I watch uh, a lot of, mostly in the morning, I watch CBS News, and just that's how I consume my news for about 45 minutes before I start working. And there was something in the, they actually reported on this last week saying, you know, exactly this, but then there was a new study apparently that that millionaires or rich rich men in their 40s no longer like to date supermodels, but they rather would date the uh, women of intellect. And apparently that's what he's doing. So, Well, what's Jeter doing then? Jeter's just Jeter's Jeter's not on that on that. Uh, Jeter's survey. like, have you seen Hannah Davis? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jeter can do anything he wants. Yeah. No, I, I I'm. Listen, Ann Woj, I'm sure was a very fine looking woman when she was 25, probably even 30, but uh, she has passed her prime in the looks department. But I'm happy for Arod if he has found happiness. I will say that. And uh, they they were out at a Mexican restaurant the other day. They seem to be a very happy couple. And you know, if if in the, one, in the one picture that some paparazzi guy got from like A Rod across the street, if he hits the thirty home runs again this year, A Woj has to get the credit for A Rod's success. And if she doesn't, and if he doesn't, she's getting the she's getting the the foot, getting the boot. I wonder if she's going to be on road trips and in, in in the in the box seats at Yankee Stadium and the whole thing. This is the new power couple in in Hollywood. So A Rod's gonna be serving A Rod's gonna be serving Ann Woj popcorn. Yeah, just yeah. feeding it to her. Yeah, you watch. All right, let's see. I hope I hope it works, <laughs> and I hope nothing else comes about this. I really do. <laughs> there's no there's no paperwork. That's been, I hope uh, there's yeah. I hope they've been very careful. Nothing nothing going on with A Rod Corp behind the behind the scenes. Yeah, I hope I hope Woj Corp and A Rod Corp are being very very careful in uh, what they listen, do. Listen, I'm sure she knows a ton about business, and A Rod clearly wants to get into the business world, the fly fishing, right? <laughs> the fly fishing business world. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good for A Rod. All right, 
not good for Rob Refsnyder, who has officially been optioned to AAA because he we had we talked last week and we were so excited that it se- finally seems like the organization is behind Ref Snyder and he was playing a solid enough defense where you could justify him being being the utility guy but in that in that time he took two ground balls off the face misplayed some balls and they throwing he had some throwing errors yeah. too kind of uh a bad week for him real, real bad, bad week at, at at the worst possible time yeah yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, he kind of shot himself in the foot this past week because he had, I think, two or maybe three errors. <clears throat> and, I mean, the last the last ball that I saw, the one of them uh, apparently was a bad hop. One, of, But the last one I saw, the it just ate him up and it hit him in the face. And he just played it. He misplayed the ball, you could tell. And he was backing up on a ball he probably should have charged and taken, but he the hop got too big on him and it just ate him up. And a, another play that he had a, an errand throw, this is a guy I still think – I actually feel – I don't even know how to say this. Maybe – maybe I, I feel like Joe Girardi has more confidence in him at this point than he did last year. And, and I think that's because of the work ethic that he's put in. And I know Girardi has a lot – puts a lot of stock in the way that people handle themselves and the way that they work hard. And from everything I've heard, there's nobody working harder at their craft but, than Rob Refsteiner. He had an unfortunate week. What I think is going to happen is obviously he's going back down to AAA. They're going to put him as a third baseman to get a lot more reps at third base gameplay <clears throat> so that you know he could come up. Because the guys who are fighting for that, that last spot now are what? Peter Cosma and Ronald Torres. And Cosma is a guy who's what, 32 plus? I don't know. He's in his mid-30s. He's a guy, I think, he's a guy who's been around for a while. If you listen to the broadcast when we when we uh, the Yankees played the Nationals, it was the Nationals broadcast that was the only one available, and they were like, Pete, they were talking about Pete Cosma with the, and and saying that he has a middle name in Washington, and it's like Aaron, it's like Aaron Boone's middle name in Boston. They can't stand the guy because he's he's made so many mistakes or he just doesn't hit, he doesn't do anything. Really? So yeah, I, I didn't know, I didn't realize that. This so this is just a guy that probably isn't gonna stick around. The only the, my only thing about him is that he's very very similar to Brendan Ryan. So I guess I'm hoping that Torres gets the job. Uh, the guy could play all over the place. He's younger. He's I think 26 years old. He could play all over. He's he's hit pretty well in the, um in the spring in spring training. I think he was the last time I saw him, he was hitting at a 280 clip. So he's got a little bit more offense than Cosma, obviously. So. That might be the guy that, that we see uh, win the job, but I got to believe that Ref Steiner's really hot on his heels. So There's no $10 million contract in front of him. So apparently uh, Cosmo was the guy who broke the hearts of the Nationals in Game 5 of the 2012 NLDS. Okay. When he was oh, with the Cardinals. Is. So yeah, Aaron Bleepin' Boone, Pete Bleepin' Cosmo. Oh, that's the reason that it had nothing to do with his play as a yeah, National. No, he, he played for the Cardinals, not the Nationals. Right. I thought he was with the Cardinals last year, though. No? I'm wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. The, the Cardinals, yeah, not the Nationals. Okay. I took the, I took it completely out of reference, but okay, now I get it. Right. But so you you still feel confident that Ref Snyder is going to get work at, at third base in the minors. That's what Girardi said. Before we're going to stick him at the majors as our utility guy, we want him to get more experience in gameplay in the minors, which makes sense. But... Am I foolish for still having hope that he's going to play a valuable role to this team this year? No, because I think one of the big reasons he didn't last year was because of Stephen Drew and the fact that they gave Stephen Drew all that money for one year. It was a show me year for Stephen Drew. He didn't show anything. But you know how the Yankees are. They, you know, they abide by the contract. It wasn't that much money. It was five mil. 
It was ten million. It was no, a ten million dollar one year no, contract. No. Are you sure? No doubt. No doubt. And the fact that they gave him that money was the the, the reason I think he was Girardi was getting press from for keeping him in the lineup and seeing what he could do. And then Girardi just fell in love with this guy as a vet guy. I mean, Cosmo's a, a vet guy too. So that again, there's a little bit of a scariness there for me. But I think they see the potential in Ref Snyder. They know what his bat is. And if there's any if there's struggles going on with the offense and they're gonna need to bring a bat up, a right-handed bat. They know Ref Snyder's there, and I think he's definitely got a, mu- a much better chance of coming up than he did last year. I like. Even though I think he, I thought he had a great chance last year too. Yeah, well, last year would have made um, more sense. So what I, what I got really pissed about last year wasn't necessarily the start or the first half of the season because they, like you said, they gave Steven, Steven Drew that money, which I just looked it up. It was five million bucks. He made ten million the year before in in Boston. But good for Steven Drew for making all that cash. Anyway, I'm off on a tangent. Uh, But you enjoyed that, right? I did. Down the stretch, when clearly Steven Drew was giving them nothing, and Ref Snyder was hitting a little bit, and he seemed to be playing an adequate second base, we saw him make a few plays. That's when I got really mad. We both got really mad. That just stick the kid in there. Give give him a little spark. But, But this year... It's just a utility role that he would be playing. It's not like it would be a starting role. So there is time to give him uh, some more play in the minors. And I, I, I mean, there could be a spot that opens up for him this year and, and he does make a key impact, which you well, and that's I the thing. It's a totally want. different role this year because we know what we have at second base. And we have a stud at second base now. Third base isn't going anywhere. I think anywhere. he's totally done with second base. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. He's he's now the super utility guy. He is Ben Zobrist. That's that's where his value is. I think as as a major leaguer right now too. I mean, he, maybe he gets an opportunity somewhere else if that's the case at, a, at another position down the line. But right now for the New York Yankees, his his value is to be a super utility guy. So when they put him in the minors, you think he's going to be their everyday third baseman or or move back and forth? I, I don't I don't know enough about their roster, so I, I don't I, I would assume that you would get a lot of days at third base. Yeah, I would and, say it'd be like uh you know seventy five percent at third base. But I mean I could see them giving him some some work in the outfield too. If he's gonna be that guy, um, you know, eventually he he's got experience in the outfield. I could see them putting him there occasionally, but but I think in when he's in triple A, he's gonna see mostly third base, some second base. Yeah. So another thing that happened today, just before we started recording, is both New York baseball teams are now TBD on who's going to be starting opening day. The the whole thing with Harvey and his undisclosed medical issues, and he might not be ready for opening day, that is probably throwing Mets fans into a frenzy. But Brian Hawk also tweeted that Tanaka is not necessarily going to be the Yankees opening day starter. Girardi said that he still needs to show him something when he pitches against Philly this week. Actually, he's pitching tomorrow, right? today, when you're it's, listening to this, Tuesday. Yeah. So Tanaka has not had a good spring. It's been up and down, very inconsistent. I I kind of like that Girardi's lighting a fire under him. Listen, Tanaka, you're our quote-unquote ace, but you're not guaranteed an opening day spot or opening day start. You need to, you need to start pitching better, and I actually uh, appreciate that. So one of the big things is they're talking about extending him his spring too, if that were the case, if he doesn't see what he wants to see. And I think a major a major concern, I, I, the biggest concern for me is the velocity of the fastball. The velocity of the fastball last his last outing was, I mean, it was 
it wasn't even over, you know, the, I think the average velocity was under 90 miles an hour. And that's something that's concerning because that's dramatically different than what he should be throwing. And we know what happened. I mean, the results are, are extremely apparent. He got lit up. And if he doesn't show that he's got both the velocity, he's able to control the pitches and, and can, you know, put people away, then something's going on. And the only reason I'm not concerned about him as an injured player right now is because he is going out tomorrow to throw or today, Tuesday. Right. Uh, if the, if he was injured, if they had any inkling of him being injured, there's no possible way he'd be throwing right now. So it's very possible that he, when he was the, his last outing, that he was working on something else. He wasn't throwing the fastball. He was just doing certain things. And a lot of guys in spring training, when they know what their role is, they take the entire spring to do to work on things. And so I don't take stock in spring training unless you're a guy fighting for a spot. If you're a guy who has a solid role and you, you can just work on things, and a lot of those guys do that. I'm just getting really tired of the whole drama around Tanaka. It, it, nothing's ever easy with this guy. It's always, oh, he his velocity's a little bit down. He's got a little bit of soreness. He might not be starting. You know, we're going to evaluate. It's just nothing. He's not an ace. We, we said this when we were in Tampa. We were joking around about t-shirts. He's not an ace. And... I think once Yankee fans accept that, accept him for what he is, a a number two pitcher who you're going to be a little bit frustrated with because of his health issues, maybe maybe we'll feel a little bit better about it. But I've I've come to grips with the fact that he's not an ace, and I don't think he's ever going to be an ace. I mean, year one, the dude was an ace. He had filthy, ridiculous stuff that nobody could touch, and. And then ha- things happened. So I don't know if he um, was an ace and now now he's not because of what's occurred with his body yeah. or or if he just wasn't was the same a similar guy and Major League Baseball hadn't seen him yet. And that's why he was having a, a lot more success in that first year, which is extremely possible. But, you know, we're not going to know until we see a full year out of him. It, well, but that's the thing. That's why he's not an ace. It's because not because reason. of his lack of stuff or his inability to go out there and shut a lineup down. Because I think he can do that on any given day. But he can't do it consistently. He's never going to give you 30-plus starts like uh, you'd want out of an ace. Right. He, he's never going to be that guy. He's the next best thing, though. He, he, he is a very good pitcher, very talented pitcher. But he's he's got you've got issues with him. It's like it's like a sports car where you've got you've got to change the oil a lot and you got to really take care of it. And it's probably going to not start every now and again. It's just the reality of it. So there's a possibility that we could see Mr. Luis Severino. Oh, I would be shocked. I tweeted out a poll after the Tanaka news saying if if Tanaka can't go on opening day, who do you want the opening day starter to be? Uh, Severino by far got the most votes. Pineda was second. Evaldi was third, and then just past Evaldi by one percent was the bullpen. So, <laughs> so that, that's, you don't want to you don't want to give CC the uh, uh, the ceremonial start. No thanks. Um, mm. I think the Astros will get batting practice before the game. They don't need it during the game as well. But it will be Pineda. It will be Pineda. It's yeah. not which I agree with. And he's been pitching very well this spring. So he's also. I mean, he's he's he can handle it mentally. I. I I'm sure Severino. Oh, be careful with that. I'm sure Severino. Oh, here, here. You're talking about Jekyll and Hyde here. Listen, let me rephrase it. If he goes out there and pitches three innings and gets shelled, he can handle that better mentally than uh, I don't want Severino going through that on opening day. That's a lot of pressure for a kid who's only pitched a handful of starts in the major leagues. Okay, I just I believe his makeup is ready for it. I I think he's Uh, the real deal. I I hope so, but. 
I think you give it to the veteran. Well, he's going to give it to yeah, that, but that's what's going to happen. He's he's going to give it to Pineda because Pineda right now I think is if if you were to you know hold a gun to uh, the head of of your manager, you would get and to to get a uh, a one through five. Pineda's going to be your number two, and we all know that Joe loves his vets and will always side with the vets and always you know default to those guys. So you're right. So if Tanaka needs an extra go round in the minors, that actually opens up the fifth starter spot for for CC and Nova. I'm pretty sure I called this. This is exactly what I'm saying. This is the six-man rotation that that's not really a six-man rotation, but it is, but it kind of isn't. This is exactly what I I want I want I want credit for calling this like a month ago because this is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to skip a start here and there for Tanaka and they're going to end up with a six-man rotation. They're not going to call it that, but that's exactly what right. it's going to It's be. going to be a five and a half man rotation. Yeah, they're both going to be stretched out. They're both going to be guys that are are going to be throwing, you know, if they're not throwing on every fifth day, on every fifth day, these guys are going to get work in enough so that their arms are still stretched out. It's just, it's what's going to happen. It's and, going to be a six man rotation. And basically, it's it's whoever sucks the least will will in stay the first in the rotation. Month. In the first month, whoever yeah. is pitching good enough will stay right. in the rotation, and then the guy who's sucking will go to the bullpen. And right. and and. I, I I actually am starting to believe that they will put CC in the bullpen if he is getting outpitched by Nova. I don't know. I mean, the one guy who's outpitched both of them is Brian Mitchell. In all honesty, if we're looking at who's been the most effective starter, it's been Brian Mitchell. The guy's stuff is phenomenal, and he's outpitched both of them. I mean, I think he's got a one point something ERA. The guy's been phenomenal. I didn't realize. I I totally forgot that Brian Mitchell was a 97, 98 mile an hour, 98 yeah. mile an hour guy. Live arm at, at his peak. I. I I, for some reason in my mind he was pegged at like 95 but he 94, 95. his 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 knock has always been control he he has not been able to spot it i remember a start in chicago i think it was before he got hit in the head with the line drive where he was throwing 97 miles an hour but he was falling behind everybody 2 and 0 and and he only lasted a couple innings because of it yeah it sounds like anthony Valdi, but there's a guy this whoa, this is a, whoa, this whoa. is a guy <laughs> this is a guy who Scott as the president arm. of the Evaldi fan club. I don't think you're allowed to say that. Well, it is what it is. I mean, he, that's what he's been. I'm not saying he's going to be like that this year. He's going to be much better, much better. You're gonna, but you're um, gonna be but you know, I don't know. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of things. Brian Mitchell is is a guy that could absolutely slide in as that fifth starter if, if need be. But he's just, he's got two two people in front of him that are uh, you know going to be there. Look, the bottom line is is this rotation. We know there's going to be injuries throughout the season, whether it's now or in May or June or August or whenever. We're going to have to have. Probably seven starters that are, are ready to go at, at any given point because that's how many guys you know. How many guys actually take the ball this year? It's going to be well above seven, but um, we're going to need we're going to need at least the all the guys that all of the um, all of the above mentioned guys need to be ready to start, and we'll probably get starts at one point or another. If uh, gun to your head, if you had to pick one of them to not miss any starts, who would it be? You mean to stay healthy the whole stay season? Stay healthy the whole year out of the, out of the the six guys, right? Who who would you say will be healthy the entire year and not miss a start? Avaldi. I think I'd nope. actually agree with you. Yeah, and the only reason I say that is it would be between him and Severino, but I feel like they're they not would... going to let that happen. Exactly. They're not going to let Severino go over 180 innings. I bet. And that's why. And I mean, it. 
I think if they make the playoffs, they'll let him go over that. They're not going to shut him down for the playoffs. But I could see a couple starts over the summer where Erval, or excuse me, Severino is just skipped because they don't want him to reach 200 innings. Right. And Evaldi's a, I mean, he's a horse. The guy, he's a big dude. He can handle it. I don't know what happened last year with the elbow, but he was ready. He was going to be ready if the Yankees won and he, or if they beat Houston. Did you hear on. him on Francesa last week? Yeah, I did. It, Francesa, that's, what he was, that's what he was talking about. He said yeah. he, he was going to be ready out of the bullpen. Yeah. Francesa asked him if, um, if he was happy with his season last year. And, and I was kind of disappointed in his answer. He said, yeah, I was happy, but I would have liked him to say, no, I wasn't happy. I didn't go past five innings every start. I was happy with, you know, I didn't give up runs and, I, and my record was good, which he did say. But, I mean, the dude, we've said this a million times, needs to get past five innings. He knows that. He's commented on that. I mean, if you listen to the rest of the interview, he said that that was one of the biggest things he wants to work on and, and improve he on He said this year. he did it in Florida, but he didn't, you know, I don't know. I guess I just... I'm being hard on him. You were That's listening out of yeah. You were listening out of one ear. He he. You heard what you wanted to hear. <laughs> Let's all be honest. You he was talking about the things that he needs to get better on, and some of the things that he needs to get better on. And he knows that he wanted to develop. Uh, he's been working a lot on the slider and the split finger, and those are two of the big pitches that he knows he needs to command in order to to be effective and get guys out more often early in counts. He can't go as deep in counts, and he can't go uh, because the 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 pitch count gets too high. He knows that. And he needs to get deeper into games. This year is actually teed up for him beautifully because after May 9th or 11th or whenever Chapman comes back, it's a six inning game. So honestly, it's very, it's very, it's, it's a, it's a perfect situation for Nathan Avalzi in all honesty. Yeah. Six innings should be the absolute bare minimum for a guy like Avaldi and his age. But that's the thing. He doesn't stuff. need to go any more than six. Right. Like you said, the big three, it's, it makes it a six inning game, but the first month of the season, and then after the big three, are you concerned with the bullpen? No, I'm not. I, I think. Look, I, I don't think there's any concerns at this point right now as far as the the arms that are not injured. Okay, because we, we don't know what they're going to do. We, we have no idea what's going to happen. Look at last year. Did we think that David Carpenter was going to be the <laughs> disaster that he was when the season started? No, it just happened. So the fact that a guy the, a guy Who's can't be come the and, David Carpenter this year. Well, nobody, because there isn't that contract. There wasn't a, a trade for that guy. So I don't think anybody's going to be him, unless it's a big one, and that will be a disaster. But the I think there's guys that are going to slot in. I think we know who's going to be there. Obviously, the big three are going to be the big two for the first month of the season. Chasen Shreve is going to take that seventh inning role. He's going to play the same role he did last year early in the season and was dominant. Um, so, and I think that we're going to see guys slot in behind that. You know, there's obviously... Uh, there's obviously competition for those last two spots in the bullpen. Last two spots for the month of April, and then that that will create a competition for the last spot once once Chapman comes back. Brian Mitchell, who you already mentioned, has got a hell of an arm. He's been having a great spring, but do you really do you think they'll use him as as a one inning guy? If I mean he is a, a starter, don't you think they'll want to keep him stretched out? That's the only possibility I would think that they would they would put him in AAA is if he was. If he was, they saw him as a starter this year, and they wanted to keep him stretched out. That would be the only reason, because he has, he has earned a job five hundred percent. I mean, he's pitched probably the best of anybody in the, you know, one of the best in the rotation, one of the best on the team. I yeah. think he's got some great stuff, and he's, he showed very well this this spring. And you know, the law, 
The long inning thing is difficult because how often do you really get to pitch each week? So it's not like, oh, he's the long inning guy. He can be a swing starter, no no problem. It didn't work with Adam Warren. We saw he needed to be stretched out in order to to pitch out of the rotation. We got mad so many times because Girardi wouldn't use Warren for four games when they really needed him, and then all of a sudden he'd pitch three innings. And the reason was because he needed to stay stretched out. He couldn't be pitching 12 pitches, and that's it. Mitchell, they they need to make a decision. He's going to be a one-inning guy. He's a right-handed pitcher who can throw hard. He'll fit in nicely into our bullpen. Or he's going to be uh, our our first call up starter if we have any injuries, and that's a big deal because he's a he's an absolute weapon out of the bullpen. So, you know, maybe but, we he's never done it. The the I mean, the, his arm is a weapon, is what I mean. The thing that the thing that's going to be completely that we don't know about is that may when when Chapman's back, all of this could be different. I mean, there's a whole month of baseball before that happens. A lot can happen in a month. A lot can happen in a month. So. We may be talking. I'm sure we're going to be talking about all of these guys, all the guys that are that are up for these last spot and spot two spots. They're going to be up at some point this season, contributing to this ball club. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we saw what happened with the Scranton bus last year. We know these guys are going to be up and they're going to be contributing to the team. So, the fact that who breaks camp and who doesn't and who's it's it's going to be a revolving door. I still think that there's not you know enough guys in there that have completely solidified their role. There are certain guys that are absolutely on this team. But, you know, there's some guys that if they don't perform well, they're going to get sent down and another guy's going to get a shot. Yeah, I, I do. I asked you the question. You said no concerns. I do have some concerns, especially without Chapman there for the first month. I, I am afraid it's going to be a little bit of what we saw at the end of last year, where bridging the gap between the starters and the big two is is like, you know, it's playing with fire. It could work or, or it could blow up in your face. So, um. Our old buddy, Jesus Montero, was placed on waivers by the Mariners and claimed by the Blue Jays. But I think, definitively, we can say the Yankees won that trade. Finally, we have an answer. (laughs) Finally have an answer. (laughs) The Mariners have given up on Jesus Montero. Released on on Easter? Was it Sunday (laughs) that he was released? Was it? I think it was. Poetic justice. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm I'm actually surprised. Was he out of options? Was that the reason they yeah. had to? Yeah. yeah. So he was out of options. They they were hoping he was going to clear waivers. There's no way he was going to clear waivers. I mean, someone was going to take a shot at this kid. He's not that uh, old. He's 26, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's not that old. No, I know. Someone's definitely going to take a shot at him, and obviously they did. The Blue Jays picked him up, and he's going to become a Hall of Famer probably. Right. He's going to find that <laughs> Toronto power. Yeah. The Toronto so, power that Joey Bats and Encarnacion and all those guys found Melky when he went up there. Yeah, we need to look to see if any of these guys were was dating uh, the the Google ex wife chick. Ann chick. Woj. Yeah, yeah. We need to see what her dating history is and who's who else is in there. In Pretty the, sure she's never people. dated uh, Jesus Montero. No, but I'm saying she could have dated somebody on the Blue Jays. Oh, so. yeah. The plot thickens. Yes. <laughs> I'm curious. I want to know her dating. We need to get TMZ on the line. A small part of me wanted the Mar- or the Yankees to pick him up. Yeah, but there was no spot for him. There, where was he going to go? But I mean, it's he's just mainly he's a, a big fu to the Mariners. I guess he's a D, it's a waste of a waiver spot, is what it is. But he's a he's a DH. There's no there's no room for him on this roster. There's no room. Where's he going to play? Where's he going to play for the Blue Jays? He's not going to make the team. 
Yeah, I, I know, but the Blue Jays were just taking a shot because that's that's what they do. They know that they got to win now, and they're going to try to find lightning in a bottle because the guy's got talent somewhere in in, in his body, and uh, he just hasn't been able to show it yet. He's the he's the epitome of the the quadruple A player. I rewatched because uh, I tweeted out the link to the video on YouTube of Montero's two first two career home runs to the opposite field. Do you remember that against the Blue Jays? Or excuse me, against the Orioles. I remember the shots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! I re- everyone was so excited that day. I just, I never, I hated how he ran. He always bothered yeah, me. It looked and like it, he was running in mud. On his, No, but he runs on his toes. He kind of does what A-Rod does. Like, I can't stand the way A-Rod runs either. He runs on his toes, and it's like it's like his heel never hits the ground. Well, I'm doing, we thought we I'm had doing a, it right now. We thought we had a young right-handed power hitter for, for a brief second there. We thought we found a 30-home run hitter power catcher, and, and I was just ecstatic. So are we going to, well, he was never going to be a catcher. I don't think he was going to be, we knew that he wasn't going to be a catcher at the major league level. If if not, maybe for a year. But possibly. he could have been for a little while like uh, Mike Napoli type where maybe he catches 40 games a year just because he's got a great bat and you deal with it. How about we talk about the fact that Brian Cashman got rid of this guy and got a, a hoss of an arm and let's give him some credit for for potentially seeing what what he really was, and that he was never going to pan out, and he was going to be this bust. You guy. and I have sneaky become Cashman lovers. Yeah, I think because I think Cashman does a lot of things that don't that don't wear, warrant like major fanfare in the media and with fans, but he does so many subtle moves. I mean, granted, this was not a subtle move. This was a big move. But blockbuster trade. Yes, but but the subtle move and the fact that he maybe saw the writing on the wall. You know, from all the coaching and, and you know what all of his information, and was was savvy enough to turn that into a a frontline pitcher, a frontline type of pitcher. So, you know, I got to give him that's a ballsy move yeah. too because Montero was the guy that we Phil Hughes was the pitching prospect that we were all waiting for. Montero was the prospect that we were all waiting for. I mean, he was number three in baseball at the time. He was the guy, and and we had him. He was there since like Gary Sanchez. Like he was there from 16 years old, I think, and he was in the organization for a long time. So we were waiting for him for a long time, and then just getting rid of him was like, what? Wait, but but, <laughs> you know, all of us were like, wait, and and now look at it. I mean, he had a run in with an ice cream man. Uh, he had uh, he, he probably gained what 60 pounds. Dude can't hit on the major league level over over a sustained amount of time. Cashman won that. Cashman did a great job. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and and turned it into... Uh, the only time I get on Cashman is because for every Jesus Montero trade, he's got a Jacoby Ellsbury signing. And I just scratched my head. Yeah. I, you know, I, I still believe, though, that there's pressure on these signings to to make to make a, a wave. I mean, there's there's pressure just automatically being the New York Yankees, so you got to make a splash at some point. And we know that the it was, it was not I'm a sticking to, fan base. I'm sticking to that was a pure reactionary move to Cano going to Seattle. I understand the McCann and the Beltron contracts way more than I understand the Ellsbury contract. Yeah, no, I get it. The Ellsbury contract is one to look at and, and scratch your head over. But yeah, and, and I don't know if that's, maybe that was their 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 play that they saw, you know, the they just weren't going to go above a certain number of years for Cano. And I no, think that- and, and, and we're, it's playing out that that was the right move. I, yes. But uh, it was, that doesn't mean that signing Ellsbury to seven years is better than signing Cano to 10 years. I would, I would argue they're equally as dumb. Okay. Um, all right. 
That's our last bit of Yankee stuff. We're going to preview the Red Sox and the Orioles. And then uh, that'll only leave us with the Blue Jays and the Rays uh, next week. Which, again, the episode will be out on Monday. Which will be opening day. So, just a note. So, as I was looking through these previews and and at the baseball prospectus win projections, I've noticed they've constantly been updating. Because when I was originally looking, the Red Sox, I think, were projected at 85 wins. And now, baseball prospectus has them at 87 wins, which ties them with the Blue Jays and the Rays, actually, for first in the division. Why do all these projections and all these baseball writers... No, no, not why, why do they change? Why do they love the Red Sox so much? Every know. year, the Red Sox, last year, they were a World Series favorite just for signing fat Pablo Sandoval. I don't really get it. I, I see a bunch of question marks on this roster. I mean, you look at their pitching staff and it's all question marks except for one guy. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that they're they're falling in love with their outfield. Their outfield's good. And good. The fact that they got Kimbrel is is locking down the end and then they have... They have one pitcher who they know what they're going to get from. And the rest of these guys, there's just such a question mark. So the fact that Pablo Sandoval weighs like 700 pounds right now, he can't even play a full game because he's out of breath. He's legit. He's His job is legitimately in question. There's reports in Boston that he might not be the everyday third baseman. He might be a platoon player until he cuts down on his weight and starts playing a little bit better. Well, that's what happens when you're a fat bastard and you get you get through a 90 game because be, you're out of breath, man. That would be actually pretty ballsy on the Red Sox, you know, management for saying, "Yeah, I know we just gave you a mega contract, but you're fat. You can't play." But Dombrowski didn't give him that contract, right? That was the the previous regime. Dombrowski still answers to John Henry. Yeah. I don't know. It's it was a they I think they they've realized that it was a terrible move, uh, but We'll see what happens with this guy. I just I hope he stays in the lineup because I don't think he's going to contribute very well. And then and at I the think other he's corner, going to be more of a, a a fat cancer. The other corner, Hanley Ramirez, is going to be playing first base, which will Total be unknown. an absolute disaster. Yeah, I mean I don't know. We've seen what he's been. First of all, the guy is just so lackadaisical, and <laughs> he really is Manny Ramirez reincarnated in this. He even looks like him now. He's getting so much, He's gained a lot of weight too. He's just he's gotten a he's a bigger dude, and he kind of looks like Manny. Loose uniform, the the totally dreads. copying Manny. Yeah. So the fact that they put him at first base, they feel, I feel like they think they can hide him at first. I mean, he was a shortstop coming up, so his glove on the infield it's got to be decent. You know, his range is definitely not there, so they're thinking they can move him over to first, and and he'll make that. Yeah, which but, I, I kind of agree with. I think that's the only place in the out in the in the field that he could play. I agree, but like you said, you can't underestimate the laziness factor. He's extremely lazy. And we and just flighty. He's like a flighty dude. Like he doesn't pay attention. I so like. as good as their outfield is going to be, which it's going to be very good, especially defensively and fast, uh, yeah. fast. Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., and um, Rusny Castillo are all going to be very good defensively. Their infield will be equally as bad. Or, you know, as much as their outfield is good, their their infield will be that bad. Sandoval is going to be terrible. Hanley's going to be terrible. Uh, Pedroia is coming off injury and he's getting, his body is breaking down totally. Yeah. I'd be surprised if he gets through a season unscathed. Yeah. And he's always, I always thought he was a good defensive second baseman, but his range has decreased in the last year or two. Bogarts is good, but he's not a gold glove shortstop. So the, I mean, their infield defense is going to be pretty bad. And that's going to be a big deal. They need to make outs when there are outs available with this pitching staff. So 
the, the, the fact that the prognosticators have put them at 87 wins to me is ridiculous and giving them entirely too much credit. And I, I believe it's going to be under that. I, I, I could see them, you know, being closer to the bottom of the, of the AL East in all honesty. Well, I don't know if I, I'd go that far, but but I, I mean, every the thing about this, I'm I'm saying that, but I'm I don't think it's going to be up by a large margin. I don't think any of these teams. I think it's going to be an absolute dogfight between everybody. So, I, I think I think the AL East is like one of those too close to call things because there are so many things that can happen. Like, there's not one team that's obviously better than the other. The Blue Jays' offense is the best, no doubt. It, it really is, but their pitching staff is absolutely questionable. And you look at the Yankees roster, they have question marks, but we're, we're very strong, I think, throughout. Um, there's question marks everywhere, so I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. The fact that you're going to put an 87-win team or pro- projection on that and it, it just keeps going up, like, why is it going up? Yeah, that's a good question. And All, the only things we've seen in spring training is the fact that their uh, Pablo Sandoval stinks. Like, that's been the big thing out of uh, Red Sox camp. Also, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to start the season on the DL. And Carson Smith, who we praised them for that trade when they made it because that's sort of an under-the-radar bullpen move, yeah. he's going to start the season on the DL. Yeah, and then what about the kid, the Henry Owens kid? Is he going to start in the majors? I haven't seen much about no, him. No, I'm not, I'm not sure to tell you the truth. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see what these guys have, but I just hope there's a fight early in the season between the Yankees and the Red Sox. That's, some, what, I'm, we need some that's what I'm hoping for. We need for. some blood. Yeah, give me some hate. Well, uh, Ortiz is on his final season, so there's going to be that whole farewell tour mess. And, and, you know, you just know the Yankees are going to be, you know, kissing his ass at the end of the season, which I'm going to dread. A-Rod's going to be out there handing him some sort of plaque or signed something. It's going to be disgusting. So maybe Chase Headley will knock him out when he's about to round third on a home run Hopefully. after after 15 minutes before he gets to third. But you were saying that um, you know you see the Red Sox sort of finishing towards the bottom half of the division, which is fine. But if I were, were talking about the five teams in the AL East, the only team I'm ruling out from winning the division is the Orioles. I think all other four teams can win the division. Do you disagree? I do disagree because I think the Orioles, one, they have a better, I think they have a better offense than the, the Red Sox. And I think their pitching staff is very similar. I mean, granted, they don't have a, a number no, one. It's not. I mean, it on. is. The rest of it, look, you look past David Price and you look at the rest of their guys and they all look exactly the same as the Orioles. Well, the rest of those guys are the same thing that the yeah. Orioles have. So they have one extra dude. Let's mention that. Buckholtz. Eduardo Rodriguez and Rick Porcello are the big three guys after David Price that are huge question marks for the Red Sox. The The probability of all three of them pitching well is slim to none. Buckholz is kind of has an injury history like Masahiro Tanaka where he's always going to go on the DL. And he buzzed his hair so he's got nowhere to and keep his suntan lotion. And he's just a we, the weirdest looking guy. Yeah, there's no suntan lotion like hiding spots anymore. Rick Porcello is a ground ball pitcher, and we just talked about how crappy their infield defense is going to be. He had a good month of September, but he was basically pitching under no pressure. Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, can actually be pretty good, but he is, uh, he's got a, a little bit of a, a knee injury to start the season, so we'll see how he heals from that. Um, huge question marks. So, but But I think those guys have a better probability of pitching better than the likes of Abaldo Jimenez and um, Tillman and uh, Giovanni Gallardo for the for the Orioles. See, I told you, I don't know why you would say that because I think all these guys are the same pitcher. They're all number four pitchers. That's what they are, all of these guys. They're all number four pitchers. 
There's there's not one that stands above the other. I mean, Tillman's going to be their opening day guy. Gallardo won, what, 13 games last year, I think? He was 13 and 11 or something like that with Texas. I mean, he's a guy who's going to throw a lot of innings, but they're all very similar pitchers. It's You just don't know what you're going to get on a given day. So I, I just I, I see their pitching staff as very similar. Obviously, David Price stands above the uh, above the the rest of these guys, but the rest the rest of their pitching staff to me is very similar. Yeah, but the but the Orioles' offense is much more established, and I think is a better offense. So it's you. Re, so okay. So I guess we're moving, we're moving on to Baltimore here. Uh, this could be a fluid conversation. We yeah, talk yeah, about both. yeah. That makes sense. So. Um, the offense, I, I agree. Manny Machado, Adam Jones, J.J. Hardy, Chris Davis, and Matt Wieters. I mean, that's a very solid foundation to an offense. But, but I mean, the Red Sox, I, I think you could argue, is is almost, I mean, pretty much just as good. Bogarts, uh, Mookie Betts, Ortiz. Hanley, even though he can't field, he can hit. Um, who am I missing there? Is Ortiz Pedroia, Pedroia. Is, is Ortiz going to hit again this year? I mean, this he's this hit be... every year. I mean, he's clearly on the same. Uh, you know, he A Rod probably hooked <laughs> him up with A Woj. I mean, he's got the same sort of <laughs> testing going on. I, I, I mean, he's clearly doing something because he's still hitting and he's thirty nine years old. And See, that's why I feel so bad today. Today we're recording this on Monday. Nick Swisher got released. Fifteen million dollars. They they ate or they ate, I think ten of it. I think five million was getting picked up by Cleveland. Something like that. But this guy's 35 years old, has fallen off of a cliff. And you know why he's fallen off of a cliff? Because that's what baseball players do when they get to 35, 36 years old. They don't hit like they used to. They just don't They don't produce. So guys that are hitting at 39, 40, you got to question things that are going on. It's just something's, something's not right. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen naturally. My knee hurts when I'm standing up doing this podcast. <laughs> oh, you're still doing the stand-up desk. I'm, I am doing the stand-up thing. i got to get my, you know... Keep my keep my my keep my, your old my blood joints flowing. Uh, nice and nice and loose. So yeah, Ortiz is probably going to hit again. Okay, so the one I think the one big difference between these two clubs. So we we've, we've we've established their offense is relatively similar, right? I, I think their pitching staff is very close. Granted, David Price is the one guy. Okay, that's so every, a big every fifth day. You saw what every Price fifth day they're heading Blue Jays. Heads and Fine. Every every fifth day they're a lot better. The the one okay that that could be place, potentially eighteen wins. <laughs> I mean that's that's they baseball perspective has them 13 wins ahead of ahead of the Orioles the Red yeah. Sox ahead of the Orioles that's a lot of wins I agree that's I a agree lot with of wins I, I don't agree see with, that I agree with 10 yeah I don't know so but the one thing that the, the Red Sox are superior and there's no doubt is their bullpen yeah. I mean there's no doubt about it the Red Sox have a much better bullpen I, I couldn't even name five two two people on the Orioles I was bullpen I going to say right could you name more than one Jeez. no so the fact that these guys they, they, I don't know who they're going to um is is a big question mark in, in in the in the Orioles clubhouse, but the or the the Red Sox by far with adding Kimbrel and then you know adding uh, or just continuing with uh, Uihara, Uihara and Carson uh, Smith if he if he's healthy if he comes back. Then who was their closer last year? He got hurt. Uh, Uihara, Koji Uihara. Yeah, the other there's another one. Another there's Japanese another guy. pitcher. Yeah, uh, there's Tazawa? another Japanese guy. Yeah, Tazawa. <laughs> I don't know who. What is? I think it's Tazawa. He was their closer before Iwahara was. To tell you the truth, I just threw out a random Japanese name. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. But there is another. There's another effective reliever. Is what I was was getting at. That who was hurt. That I think he had. That's why I, I do honestly think 
the Red, I, I don't agree with the Red Sox being, you know, winning the division, but I think they could win the division. I don't think the Orioles can win the division. So, um, and and uh, obviously Perspectus agrees they're going to finish last, and and that's actually the worst record in the league. So they bumped up in the, the league in the American, in the American league? league. They bumped up the Oakland Athletics to seventy five wins, and they have the Orioles at seventy four wins. I don't see the Orioles being the worst team in the league. I just don't see that happening. I, I, they should be after the contract that they gave Chris Davis. They deserve it. Don't get me wrong. They absolutely deserve it. And I'm, Orioles fans were loving it. We talked to a couple on that video. They they were standing behind Chris Adderall Davis. Yeah, yeah. They were Orioles fans in general are just irritating to me. They they have a false sense of of hope and security. They're like Red Redskins fans. They're all the same people. They just they every year they think they're going to be good and they're terrible. I just don't get it. I don't know why they have optimism at, at all, ever. Buck Showalter instills that on people. I guess. I'm a Buck fan. I like Buck, so. Yeah, I, I agree. I like Buck as well. I think he got a, a raw deal with Steinbrenner in 95. But, um, all right. So, uh, we will preview the Rays and the Blue Jays next week. As I mentioned, that's our opening day episode. I'm getting very excited. Scott, <laughs> we are, as we're, as people are listening to this, Less than six days away from, as you called it, actual baseball players throwing baseballs to each other, catching baseballs and hitting baseballs on TV. But this time it counts. And it may not be warm. It may not be warm. We don't know what the weather's going to be. But look, there's baseball, real baseball, real baseball that we can actually talk about and critique in a real way because it actually counts. Like you were saying, is is happening one week. And don't forget that we're changing the show back to what we did last year during the season. We will release all shows at 11 a.m. on Monday mornings from after you're listening to this episode through the season. So I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. I can't wait for opening day, and I'm pumped up. Me too, me too. And submit to the mailbag, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Call the voicemail, 646-480-0342. I'm hoping that as games start, people will be submitting more mailbags. If you're watching a game and Girardi makes a move out of the bullpen that you disagree with, submit it to the mailbag. We want to hear all that stuff. We want to discuss it. Um, you know, I think as as we've now been doing this show for a year uh, and sort of gotten the flow down, I, I think uh, adding in some more fan mailbags during the season, talk, talking about specific in-game stuff, I think will be really cool. So uh, until then, uh, enjoy the week and uh, can't wait for opening day. Talk to you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.